Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Odd Fellows Oddcast. And today joining us is Peter Sellers. And today we're going to be talking about Odd Fellows books. And uh, books are a very important thing. There's some people that are really, really, you know, interested in books. Other people could care less. Um, I happen to really enjoy audiobooks a lot, by the way, Peter. I don't know if you ever plan to make any audiobooks, but I will certainly listen to you talk about your, your subjects. But the, the thing is, today we're going to talk about the importance of uh, Oddfellows books. There's a rich tradition and history of Oddfellows books. And, um, and then we're going to talk about uh, a, a bit of a surprise announcement. Today I heard about it and I was like, oh, well, we should definitely, you know, spread the word about this. So uh, first, welcome. And um, can you tell us a little bit about, uh, obviously, somebody who's watching this for the first time doesn't know who you are. Say a little bit about yourself and also, um, you know, why is it that uh, we're going to talk about books today? Well, I, I'm uh, Pete Sellers and I've been a member of the order for about 32 years. I first joined in San Leandro, and immediately my first meeting, I was the uh, found myself as a vice grand at my very first meeting uh, because the vice grand passed away, and uh, they none of the older members wanted to take it. It was one of those lodges with five members. Well, anyway, I moved up through the ranks, became district deputy, and following year joined the board of directors, became a grand instructor, and. Uh, eventually, uh, Grand Patriarch, Grand Master, Grand Representative, served on many, many committees. And about 25 years ago, I started writing the legislation for the order, you know, at all levels. And uh, even at Grand Rep, I started uh, for Sovereign, I started writing um, legislation. So it's been a long, long road. So that's where I am today. And I do a lot. Yeah, you've actually written uh, quite a bit of... Um interesting pieces of legislation over the years i hadn't really thought about the connection there that you know you're you do a lot of writing uh, uh i seem to remember that you wrote something about how it is that uh, the minimum age for an odd fellow changed because of the legislation you wrote right what were some yeah. of the other pieces of legislation that you wrote 16 and then also uh, uh, uh allowing uh women uh, or, or promoting the women in the order not necessarily legislation, but being part of that movement. And then the year 2000, writing the, the pieces to the lodges and through the magazine that uh, through PR to get the women into the order. And I, I brought in the first 42 women into this order. So that, that I feel very proud of. It was breaking a huge barrier, probably just as much as uh, breaking the barrier to have blacks and other minorities uh, join this order. Um, you know, there's a lot of hurdles that I won't talk about here uh, because it, it, it hurts the order. And I, I don't want to do that uh, because sure. we lodges are working toward that. Other legislation, I, I wrote legislation a few years ago to permit us uh, uh, by ritual to be able to do all our degrees on the same day without a dispensation. So that that was very useful for lodges. So they were able, you know, able to just conduct all the degrees whether members like that method or not, but you're allowed to. Um, just a whole bunch of things uh, over there. Everything you see practically in a more progressive direction, 
I wrote. Yeah, I know <laughs> that there's a lot of things you've written that I, if I were to kind of sum it up, I'd say it's for the members enjoyment. It's like make things easier and more accessible, you know, for the members. Uh, so, you know, I, I certainly appreciate that. And I know that there have been a lot of um, things that you have done that have promoted women in the order uh, in general. And um, I happen to have had a few conversations with you about this. And I think that, you know, if anybody could prove that they have really had a huge impact on the order, I think that, you know, I, I, I don't even remember how many people you've said that you have personally uh, sponsored in, into the order, over, but you have over, had a huge impact on the order. And I don't think anybody can take that away from you. My name's on over a thousand applications uh, as far as being a sponsor. And I had, uh, I asked Terry Barrett uh, if he could present me a list about two months ago. Can you get me a, it's set Terry Barrett's a sovereign grand secretary. Mm -hmm, Can you right. get me a list of names? Because I know Mavis uh, Paul used to keep a list of all the names I brought in. And in 1999, I, I brought in like 42 members alone. Following year, I brought in 28. Uh, and I was like the number one in North America for two years in a row. And they actually gave me a check for doing that. Yeah, they paid me. So it was a, that isn't what I was doing it for. But, but Terry, the records that he had only took us back to 2004 or five. And since that time, it's been 300 and about 300 plus members. Hmm. So uh, before that, though, I was really uh, prolific. Because mm -hmm. uh, I could get in groups. I was newer to the organization. I was getting active and I belonged to other groups as well. And so people wanted to follow me or they wanted to come and, and, uh, and I'd ask them too. And, and uh, again, it, you know, I try to make my lodge more progressive, which is at that time, very controversial and probably still is. And It'll probably cost my time in this order, too, as well, because I do defend the progressiveness. If I can't be happy and do the things we want and have events and grow and bring in people of all walks of life, this is not the order for me. No, yeah, I totally understand. And I think that, too, that, you know, a lot of um, a lot of the, the, the generation that's going to follow us. I mean, obviously, you've got your Gen X and Gen Y and, you know, after the baby boomers and all that stuff, you know, those people are very tuned into social media. Social media is a really important uh, public relations and marketing tool and uh, is one of the reasons why I do this podcast. Uh, if anybody wants to, you know, find out about like, well, what's Oddfellows about? They can read about it, but it's a different thing to kind of, you know, uh, listen in on a conversation. Uh, talking about Oddfellows, you, you get a greater sense of it. And I think that uh, uh, one of the things uh, leading up to uh, books uh, that that we can acknowledge is that you've been in this order for such a long time because you enjoy it so much and that your enjoyment of it is what has brought other people in. And it leads us to why it is that you would write books. Uh, so can you give us a little bit of a history of uh, you know, I can think of a few books I've got, you know, like uh, uh, at least a dozen different books uh, on Oddfellows that were written in the 1800s, as well as, uh, you know, I think I have more from the 2000s than I do from the 1900s. Uh, in fact, uh, there's been a resurgence in writing books, uh, partly due to you. And um, yeah, could you talk a little bit about that, about the history of Oddfellows books and, and about that resurgence? Well, let me tell you how I became interested. 
because it will lead right into it. I, mm -hmm. I started writing articles and then I started writing historical articles as I became more interested. And the, the number of articles I wrote, our, our magazine used to come out uh, quarterly or actually monthly. And then we switched to quarterly. Now they do, I think, three a year. So it is the, the number of articles has diminished quite a bit. But I was writing uh, quite a bit. And I, I would get encouragement from our past sovereign grandmaster, Donald R. Smith, uh, a very personal, close friend of mine for many years. And he was a publisher and a writer of books. Well, he suggested I put a book together because, and I never wanted, I ne never knew that process. And so um, for me to see what the order wanted in the way of a book, I had to read books. But you, to read books, you had to find books. And it's, you just touched upon it, Joseph. That's the thing. Those old books aren't made available to members. And if you have them, they're usually in your closets or in your attics or tucked away in a secretary's drawer or in some safe. They, they are not available to the average member. So you end up with books. And, and uh, I started collecting Oddfellow books. Well, anyway, going back, I took this culmination of writing. And I was, where can I start? And I started in about the mid-2000s, I'd say 2004, 5, 6. And in 2007, uh, because I had transferred to San Francisco, I wrote my first book. It, because this is where it all started for Oddfellows in California, was in San Francisco. I had to write that book because I had access to the minutes in San Francisco. I had access to the historical books. I had everything there at my fingertips. And I was a member of the Grand Lodge Board of Directors at that time as well. So I was able to gain access to the minute books of defunct lodges. I was able to access the museum and, and those archives that were available back then and put this book together and, and uh, you know, and learning that process through college as well. I, I was able to put my first book together. And uh, in a second, if you want to lead into it, I can show you s some examples of of the best Oddfellow books uh, it, it, that have ever been written. Yeah, my, um, I was going to say that uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure that I have um, what are considered really the staples, you know, the ones that you would hope that if you belong to an Oddfellows Lodge, that they would be the kind of ones that are valuable to get a historical uh, understanding of the, the foundations and the formation of the, of the independent order of Oddfellows. Um, uh, and, and also a lot of the changes that occurred in the late 1800s, which were really uh, very uh, influential in terms of uh, change goes. Uh, things have, have changed since the late 1800s, but not quite as much, I don't think, uh, since that particular time after we broke from uh, England as a subsidiary. Uh, so can you can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I, I um, one of the books, so I, I, I'll lead into that. But one of the books, mm -hmm. the foundation is I have several copies now. This is the History of the American Odd Fellowship by James mm -hmm. Ridgely. Mm -hmm. James Ridgely writes it in his own words. James Ridgely was there in the 1820s. He 
he knew Wildy. He knew the the uh, makers and shakers and the early people forming this order. And when he wrote about it, a lot of people, oh, he can't be right. Of course he's right. He was there. You're not going to dispute the first word. That's the first word. It doesn't get better than this unless you have the original minutes in the 1820s. You don't have a better source than James Ridgely. You have to have that book. And going along with that book are the annual journals, the annual communications of the Grand Lodge of the United States. You need to have those as well in the early 1800s to understand this order and to understand we are you were actually completely different than what we are today. Completely different, except for parts of the degrees. The things that are closest are the encampment degrees from the early 1820s. Those stayed muchly intact, but the other ones we moved away from. But you learn this by going to the books, by going to a book by Ridgely. You learn how we did funerals. You learn how difficult it was to meet. You learn that we drank in the lodge room. You know, I mean, it was more of a jovial group, but very serious. You learn how we how we did our funerals at 10 p.m. at night and ended them at midnight in a long parade. So, I mean, very fascinating stuff. Yeah, it was very different back then, for sure. Um, and uh, like I was mentioning with this reformation, changing the degrees, combining them, moving them around, um, you know, so a lot of the emblems and symbols got, you know, retired in favor of different ones. And, you know, that I always found that that was a really fascinating point. And, and uh, I th it was at Grolsch. It was the one of the best authorities on that transition period. Yeah, that came out more in the 18, uh, in a in the latter part of the 1800s with his little manual. I, mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of cool. Yeah, you see people have mimicked that over the years. And, and uh, uh, here's a, uh, here's one that came out early on. I have to tell you, I have to thank uh, our late brothers, of course, Donald R. Smith, I mentioned, and, and William Pat Patterson, who is a past grand patriarch in California. Those two members probably left the greatest legacy to me they left their collections of books uh -huh. which are which are over i think nearly a thousand books wow uh, including all the grand lodge united states all the uh the sovereign grand lodge journals they left me the california ones they left me and then all these special books but you have odd fellowship illustrated i don't know if you have that one yeah that i do great. have that one yeah it's really cool Mm -hmm. uh, like you say, a lot of, like you see, a lot of books today uh, mimic those, uh, mm -hmm. you know, which isn't a bad idea because you're reintroducing uh, things like the, the passing the axe, those things that we, I was actually part of doing in the lodge when I joined. We did pass the axe, and that was for certain things. And when members needed help, or, or I know early on they did them historically to build their lodges. Uh, you may have one like this, uh, Gems of Oddfellow. This is actually a pretty good one. Hmm. Uh, not a lot of people have that one. Another rarity, the Red Blood of Oddfellowship. Oh, I've never heard of that one, huh? You won't find that one too many places. Um, this one you might find by Powell, the Triple Links. It's, uh, yes, kind of, I, I have that one, yeah. Kind of interesting. I, I like that one because it... It answers a lot of questions about the order. 
Uh, this one here is pretty common. But again, these books, these I just brought a few out here. But those books and these books, they are uh, they're difficult for the member who just joined to access. You know, you'd have to go on eBay or Amazon and buy a used book to get to get this old information. And yeah, so, you know, you and, you and two, you know, there's a bit of a language barrier in in some respects too. I've I've sat down and read some of them, and there's some writers that <clears throat> they're a lot easier to you know, relate to, understand, uh, and other writers, it's kind of like, gosh, you know, I, it's, it's, uh, it's really dense, you know, it's like, uh, not to say that it's bad writing, it's just really dense. Um, it's probably one of the reasons why I prefer audiobooks. <laughs> yeah, I don't, uh, but, I don't blame you. And yeah. I, you, you said that twice already, audiobooks, you know, I, I started out doing, you, you don't know this, but, uh, I used to write children's books. I didn't publish any, but I have a whole bunch. I'm probably going to go back to it. I wanted to wait till I got a little older so I had more time when I retire. But what I did is I wrote these books and I would I would put them on audio or, or tape. Mm. And oh. I played them back for my nephew, one of my nephews. And no, no, here, I'm going to give you $5 if you just relax and you listen to it. And you tell me what you think about it. But those were audio books. So I had that experience way back in the 80s when I started writing these uh, children books. So, so doing audio books is nothing new to me. I, I wouldn't have trouble doing that at all. Yeah, I've actually done a bit of professional voiceover work myself. I used to work in radio and uh, my, my headset is, uh, you know, not cheap. <laughs> no, no. You know, so, yeah, uh, so I got a really good setup and I professionally, I, I still do voiceover work. Uh, and it's probably one of the reasons why it was so easy for me to start a podcast. I already had all the equipment. Um, but anyways, the, 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 the thing that I wanted to point at uh, at this point with, with going over some of the historical classic books that one would be interested in if you wanted to uh, begin a collection or research Oddfellows for yourself is uh, the resurgence that occurred. Now, you know, with the order shrinking as much as it did in the 1900s and with it becoming easier to publish yourself. I've written a couple of my own books. I was self-published. I, I used to work with a guy who was uh, the godfather of self-publishing. And I, I helped him launch a, a book contest, an ebook contest, a guy named Dan Pointer, really good guy. He passed away a few years back. But anyways, I, I found out how easy it is, you know, really, if you start off with Microsoft Word and you publish it into a PDF and then you put it into uh, some of these platforms uh, that are like on Amazon and stuff, uh, some of them will take a Microsoft Word document and boom, it's published. Of course, there's more to it than that. You, you know, you've got your cover and you've got your editing that you need to do, proofreading and all that. And, you know, it's a process. It's a process. But the nice thing is, is that that process has become so much easier and empowers individuals who want to take the time to actually write something, gives them, you know, tremendous tools for self-publishing. So uh, I think that is one of the reasons why there's been a resurgence over the past couple decades. You want to talk about your experience with, with self-publishing? Yeah, I, I will tell you that uh, the most difficult part for a writer is, is, Everybody, I, I tell this, this is me telling everybody, everybody has a book in them. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to have one book. Everybody. 
it, it perpetuates your name there forever. You know, you, you write a book and you may hit that good book. And for me, it's uh, I write a little bit each day and it becomes easier. It's not difficult. And it takes me five minutes to write an article. And uh, Jack London wrote four pages a day. You know, you start to learn what authors write and how they write. I have my favorite authors. History books are a little bit more complex because of legalities for photos, copyright. Uh, you want to be careful. You want to learn those laws as well. And I spent a lot of time doing that. I learned what you should really do sourcing on and what you shouldn't do. I tried a little bit. I started out just using bibliography. Then I started doing endnotes. Uh, I wanted, Then I started doing my own indexing, not using programs, but going through the, the book physically. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, <laughs> I tell you, resizing your book, you have to redo it all. So it's, a, it's quite a process. You learn everything about the book. And uh, self-publishing, you got to find the right printing company that fits your book. I know you, I create space is good if you're using Amazon, if you're using what you were talking about, those type of platforms. Uh, I use a program called InDesign. Uh, mm -hmm. It takes a little bit of work. We use advanced Photoshop to clean up photos. Uh, I use, um, of course, spell check. And I use several people to read the book it's over and over and over. And I have to tell you, the biggest mistake for self-publishing, I'll wrap this up in a minute, but I can really get into this because that's an entire process. Oh, yeah. This can take an entire show by itself. Absolutely. And those things you've experienced. Uh, you have to know how to identify photographs by their number the way they want you to when you purchase them. I can tell you who will give you the photos free. I can tell you what photos are free. I can tell you what the dates are when you can use those. I can tell you when you could use reprinting. I can tell you all these things you really need to know. And uh, I can save a writer a lot of time if they're working on a history book. Novels, just be careful using proper uh, current corporation names, people's mm. names. Those are your things you have to be careful uh, in writing novels, fic fiction novels. And I write those yeah. too. Um, I've had that experience myself. I, uh, I wrote, um, I was writing an article uh about people who were you know in the marines going out to the desert like what should they take with them and i actually wrote you know vaseline and i it didn't even occur to me that like oh yeah it's a trademark name so you know you can't just write vaseline it has to be capitalized it has to have the tm that sort of thing so yeah yeah i i do know what you're speaking of there yeah and we could talk about the desert too you know i mean a couple <laughs> of veterans and I spent a lot of time in the Middle East and and that's that's also fits into this, believe it or not. I mean, your experience is you come home from a war and, and all of a sudden life isn't that serious. You have more time. It perpetuates you to uh, or, or, or com compels you to write and and you fulfill your ideas. Mm -hmm. I, I'll lead into this second book I wrote, though. Okay. I wanted Go ahead. to share it. Can you see it? Yeah, calling out from the past. This is a uh, this book I'll tell you about. I took a trip to Thermalito, uh, the first Oddfellows home, which is in Butte County, and uh, it was such a miserable place back in the 1800s. We did have the first home as an organization in California, 
uh, in California. Of all, we had a home before the Masons, before all these other groups, but we had our Oddfellows home in Thermalito, a place that reached over 100 degrees every single day in July. I even put a, that in my book. Um, but all that's left there is a cemetery. And you wonder, what was here? And going back into the records, you see there was a home that used to be a hotel. There was a, uh, a library. There was a post office. There was a, it was a farm. It was, it was everything. There was a hospital there, and there was cottages, there was ponds, everything. It was this whole life. And that was Thermalito, the odd fellow's home, with a few ranches on the outskirts. Well, Thermalito ended up going away. They moved to Saratoga. So, like I said, all that was left there was a cemetery. Why this book brought back all the pictures, all the life to this home and to Thermalito. And when I wrote this book, I was able to access very rare photos. I had to do a lot of research. And I have to tell you, when I presented to Butte County Historical Society, I became what they call the rock star up there uh, because Thermalito never had its own history. And this was actually the first history book written of the town of Thermalito, which is quite populated now. So I'm asked each year to go there and speak. Um, hmm. And the people there expanded on that book they showed me where there were remnants of the homes still left remnants in their backyards flnt and granite you know and parts of hmm. ponds in their yards so you get to see they showed me where the old odd fellow uh, uh dump was and they found little odd fellow jewels and oh wow you know, really cool stuff and they were telling giving me all this history no that didn't burn down that was tore down they they were really they made it very clear for me and I'm asked to go there uh, before COVID. I was asked every year. And would you believe a home about a book about a home that <laughs> would be standing room only every time I go there about a home, wow. a, a retirement home for the aged? You know, that's no longer standing. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I, I mean, I never thought that book would do so well. And I should mention, I, I'm I'm kind of like driven on books. I I ended up publishing, I know one of my books, I printed 10,000 copies, but I, I go, uh, you know, 2,000, 4,000, 10,000, and now I went 1,000 on the four Oddfellow books that I've written. And I think Grand Lodge, I managed to go uh, with Don Smith and Frank Christie's book uh, uh, dealing with 125 past Grand Masters. They did only 300 copies. And that was printed during the first year of COVID, which is available through Grand Lodge. Not a lot of people know about that book, but it, I finished that book because they both passed away. So it's a good book. And a lot of people don't know about Don Smith, so I wrote an introduction. Don Smith, I have to interject. I know we're on sure. books. Don Smith is the only fraternal leader who ever went to Vietnam during the war to try to bring a message of peace. That's how big the Odd Fellows were, and that's how big and important Donald Smith was. So I, I wanted, um, uh, I can't say enough about Donald Smith. Good guy. It, it, yeah, kind of a rarity. 
for sure, right? Yeah, you won't find that today. Not yeah. Um, so let's make sure that we cover. Um, you know, I don't know, but I think that you do. You have other Oddfellows books that you've written besides yeah. those three. There's two in the American Civil War. Mm-hmm. This one here was written uh, for a much larger audience. This one here sold to more more people outside the order. So I, I would say when I when I sell these books or, or even give them away, this one I gave away a lot because it came out during COVID and I really couldn't sell them very easily. So that's the one that had 10,000 copies. Mm-hmm. I mailed them to nearly every lodge that requested a copy. And I'd set them up for fundraisers. I'd, I'd uh, help their lodges out, help their new members. Those went to nearly every state in, in this country, mm-hmm. many overseas as well. That one uh, did very, very well as far as people outside the order. Everybody mm-hmm. wants one of these reference books uh, for the Civil War. So you want to know what this fraternity was doing. The Masons have an excellent one during the Civil War about the Civil War, about their involvement. That's, it's, I think it was written in 18, I mean, 1963. And I oh. forget the title. It's an excellent book. Hmm. And um, I, I couldn't write it nearly as well as that writer did because he probably spent a lot more time with it. And then yeah. finally this year, just last week, uh, we had another copy, uh, another book come out. Um, it's a reference book of the Odd Fellows and the California Gold Rush. There are uh, about 195 pages, and uh, some some really nice. This time I did a little bit differently. The first 90 pages are all written, and then the uh, the this back section are, uh, is a uh, is a scrapbook of photos. And as you can see, every every place I had to get them from is is identified by name and number but this is an excellent book this is soft bound and it's uh it's available today and uh available through me and uh i i will have one of my my buddies who has a bookstore uh, sell a few on amazon for me but those are available now i i got rid of uh 90 i hate to say i got rid of you know i distributed <laughs> sold you know, I, I, for me, because I, I keep them all here, I store them myself. I get them all printed, and it, it saves a lot of cost, saves the middleman. There's something else you want to know about uh, self-publishing. Don't go to storage. Don't On-demand's good. It's excellent, but you're only going to get a fraction. I get uh, nearly one. I get 100% of my profit, 100% of everything above the cost. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it, it's more... Uh, Income wise, it's good. Save all your receipts for your mailing now. <laughs> have to have those. But anyway, I, I sell them directly in the first uh, three days since I have I've had this book. Uh, we went 98 copies. So I'm very proud. 96 copies. So I'm very proud of how fast it's going to take off. Mm-hmm. Well, I will be very happy to make sure to put the links to your books, uh, wherever it is that you, you know, sell them through the best there, you have a store on Amazon or, uh, something else. I'd be very happy to put a link for anybody who is listening or watching this podcast yep. so that they can purchase one. Yes, go ahead. I will say the first three odd fellow books are out of print now. Ah. And, um, uh, those are available on, on, uh, used books on Amazon. You'll see those. I don't sell those anymore. And 
Summer can be quite costly, uh, which I'm which I'm thrilled about. I, I don't make the money, but I'm thrilled to see them on sale. But uh, the first three are, are, are for sale on Amazon. Uh, as I said, uh, the, this fourth Oddfellow book will be uh, on sale on Amazon and and uh, through uh, a friend of mine. But OK, well, you know, you can reach me, send me a payment or uh, they're only thirteen dollars plus three fifty for shipping and handling. So not too costly. Uh, I will be selling them. Uh, I don't expect to have these a, a very long time because I, I've only printed a thousand copies. So, OK, well, um, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk with me about Oddfellows books because, you know, it's part of the history of Oddfellows itself is the books. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously we won't know how it is that we got where we are today if it weren't for being able to go back and, and read the accounts of people who wrote it down. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I think it's a really great insight to take a look at the um, Grand Lodge minutes before we split off from England. Uh, I hadn't even thought that, that uh, those things existed because I hadn't heard of them. Um, but um, it's good to know that those things exist. And it's really great that you've got yourself, uh, uh, you ended up with those resources for your research. So that's really awesome. So is there anything that we, uh, we want to chat about real quick before we wrap things up? Because uh, we wanted to just discuss the topics that have been on hand. Anything else that you want to interject before we wrap things up? Uh, you know, just, uh, you know, just for the newer members, just go inside your lodges and and ask the oldest member you have there where the books might be stored and you will take an interest. Uh, I, I have to tell you what books select for are the journals. Start with the journals. Those journals, I should have brought a copy out here. They're soft bound. Some are hard bound. You could back then you could order them to be hard bound. But for the California journals, the California journals explain to you year by year who's leading the order, how many members there are in the order, which lodges emerge, when they emerge, how much money they donated. You look through the back of the book, how many members each lodge had, uh, where they met. I mean, all the information, um, you can learn all those good things about our order in those journals and you can learn about all the bad things in this order too and that could be a separate segment too that you probably wouldn't want to let out to the public but this order uh had a terrible history as well and uh like any organization in this country you know with its prejudice and and uh, growing but the importance the reason i'm mentioning that because i want our newer members to see that we grew out of that and there are members still pushing to grow out of that uh, because there are barriers still that we need to break. Um, if you're from San Francisco and like I am, you see the barriers have been broken. But if you're from a little place in the hills, you're going to see that their barriers aren't broken. And that's the importance of our newer members because they're coming up. They're going to be the ones to make the change. And you find those needed changes in those old books. Start with the California journals and move from there. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that certainly speaks very much to the future of 
the independent order of odd fellows um i think that there will always be a call for fellowship in general i i think that fraternities uh will always exist in even if they're not fraternity so to speak like you know the um uh like the rotary club you know it's like that's that would be something that is sort of like a fraternity um in that they have projects and they they want to make a difference in the community and it's you know member benefit that sort of thing um but you know it's not quite the same thing as as the odd fellows right you know, yeah. so I, I think that there will always certainly be a call for fellowship and a, certainly a call for what it is that Odd Fellows do in terms of making a difference in the world. But, you know, the, the future of it, I think, is really dependent upon how well we can adapt to the current day, because we're not going to be attractive to newer members if we're, we've got our heads stuck in the 1700s. If we're if we're setting the social, if we're trying to set the social standard for society, we're going to collapse. <laughs> if, if we're allowing the, the the society to set the standard for us, we're going to succeed. Mm-hmm. That's where we need to break that barrier, and, right. uh, and that's right now. And so, yeah. you know that that's a strong statement, and I don't know if we can get there, but you know, uh, we'll try. And as long as I'm a member, I'll steep. I'll keep working toward it. I, I belong to great fraternal organizations. I belong to one that you belong to where mm-hmm. after I left, I have a group of people who, who, uh, who would die for me, you know, and likewise, and, and I don't see the order at that level yet, but, but it can get there. There, there are segments I see come through from time to time. And, you know, I can tell you some wonderful stories about this order as well. And, Again, you get a lot of this through the books and uh, stay away from the 1855 Grand Lodge of the United States Journal. If, you, <laughs> if you're not, if you're not, if you're sensitive to social issues, stay away from that one. Okay. Yeah. And I, I, I do agree with you that those books are important so that we can know what it is that we have been through and where we have, you know, gone from and arrived where we are today. So I, I do. I do touch upon the social issues in here as well. Oh, good. So then you you reference those things. Okay, well, that's awesome. That's fantastic. Well, good. Um, all right. Well, listen, uh, Peter, I want to thank you again. As always, you've been a fairly regular guest on my podcast. I really appreciate the time that you take. And, um, you know, it's always good to see that you've got a new book coming out. And I was thinking about how it is that it'd be really great if, you know, you took the time to... Um, write a book about, you know, the really awesome things that you have seen in Odd Fellows over the years or the stories that you know about that uh, are firsthand accounts of different things that have happened because you've told me some really great stories and I think that they would certainly be worth putting into a book. So maybe one day. Yes, that's a, that's a good idea. I'll keep writing. And uh, as I say, I'll put a few articles together, see how that that's received and, and, um, and uh, if I get enough out there, then we'll put a, a book together. Oh, great. Well, um, again, thank you. And uh, we will see you on the next podcast in the future. Well, thank you very, very much. And, and I look forward to seeing you again. All right. Thanks. Take care. Bye, everybody. All right.